Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. In the last episode, we worried that women might be losing ground during this pandemic. This time, a different perspective. Suddenly, flexibility, something that women have been fighting for for 30 years, is becoming the default position for a growing number of companies. And we're already yelling victim, 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 rather than, wow. This is really cool. Coming up on The Broad Experience. What is happening to women's careers right now? That's the question you heard Jesse Hempel and I tackle in the last podcast. And it's one I'm going to keep asking one way or another in these next few shows. In that conversation with Jessie, we looked at some of what we're hearing anecdotally. That women with families, some of them are thinking about quitting their jobs, or they already have, because they just don't see how they can make it all work when their children need so much support right now. It's an old story, but with a new pandemic twist. My guest today is more optimistic. And she says organizations can learn a lot of lessons from the pandemic that they can use to make everyone's life at work easier when we return to some kind of normality. You last heard from Aviva Wittenberg-Cox a few months ago in a show about how male and female leaders around the world were handling the coronavirus crisis. She's CEO of Consultancy 21st. She works with companies to bring gender balance to their businesses. She uses that expression deliberately. I am very careful about integrating and including the dominant majorities. And in a lot of companies, that happens to be men. So if you suddenly show up and say, you know, you're pushing women, it's not usually the most receptive message. And you can just switch your semantics to we're promoting balance, which I have found is just much more receivable. Aviva is a Canadian now living in the UK. I started by talking about doom and gloom, the fact that female-dominated sectors like hospitality and retail have been hard hit by this pandemic. Many women have lost their jobs, and women in other sectors and high-wage brackets are struggling too. There's been tons of reporting about how women with families, it's still the woman who seems to be taking on the bulk of the dealing with the kids and the homeschooling and all that, which can really take you away from your job. And it can just feel like this is a a time that, as a sex, we're going backwards, not forwards. Would you disagree? I would cautiously hold my fire till I have a bit more proof. I am continually suspect of a strong media preference for positioning and framing women as victims. Tell me more. Well, it just seems like the overwhelming story we keep getting 
is dire tales that women are suffering. And I'm on a million panels that are discussing this topic, and not one of them will say that actually men are dying more of COVID than we are. So there's obviously, you know, we're still on this kind of fighting spirit of, you know, fight for women, which I have done all my career. And I think we need to be cautious about, you know, everything's being lost. I think one of the astonishing realities that I've heard about a lot in the last five months is that, you know, what I call the Berlin Wall between the personal and professional life has fallen down, not just for women, but for men too. So there's been more men confronted with the realities of working from home and taking care of children than there ever has been before. I mean, this is a big breakthrough, right? Uh, Nobody talks about that. That's something that came across in an episode I did in the spring about partnership in the pandemic. It featured three women, all married, two of them had kids, and both those mothers said their husbands were doing more childcare during lockdown. Life was still chaotic, but each felt their husbands had built a stronger bond with their kids during this time. We seem to prefer to say women have taken over yet. How do they know that already? And like, you know, who's doing that research? And I want to see the reports and the stats because you know what? That's not what I'm hearing. I hear all these companies doing work from home, going on permanent work from home, suddenly flexibility, something that women have been fighting for for 30 years is becoming the default position for a growing number of companies. And we're, and we're already yelling victim, 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 rather than, wow this is really cool. Let's redesign the workplace with a technology that is now on tap and that we can do this kind of thing and everybody's discovering that. And yes, I will add, there remains a very interesting issue that has been perhaps less the focus of our work for the last little while because we've been focused on gender balance at work. There remains an issue of gender balance at home. And that is what is being revealed in times like this. So when push comes to shove, what happens in the home when there are two careers, two kids, no daycare, no school and nothing else? Who has the power and how is it balanced between two parents? Sociologist Daniel Carlson has been looking at this. He also appeared in that episode about couples during COVID. Several weeks after we spoke, he and some colleagues published their own research into men, women and the division of labour during the pandemic. What they found was less dire than some surveys suggest. Men were doing more childcare and housework than they'd done before, although most women still did the bulk of it, and they certainly reported they were doing the bulk of homeschooling. The research concluded that lockdown had made most households more egalitarian – but an egalitarian utopia, it was not. Aviva says what we don't know is what those conversations are like between partners. Women may insist on equality at work, but to what extent are they asking for or demanding it at home? What choices do they make? What negotiating power do they have? How can they contract with their spouses? Do they even try? Do they themselves default and think that they are the better teachers and accompaniers of their children? Do they leave space for their house? 
all these old issues, right? We've been here before, but this is now a whole new game when you've got two parents in lockdown for five or six months and no school on the horizon, right? So this issue of how do you balance at home is very revel in my mind i keep using this word about this whole crisis it's very revelatory revelatory of company cultures revelatory of couple cultures and revelatory of country cultures right what who's doing this well who's doing this badly and there and we will see both but it's not you know, it's a legacy of gender issues, how we've all been brought up, who, what we think our roles in the home are and things like that, which are also in evolution, right? And they're in evolution for both men and women. And we've hit this crisis at a moment where, you know, shared parental leave has just been introduced in a number of countries over the last few years. It's a whole new era, but it's the beginning of this era for fathers to take their rightful place in fatherhood, um, something that many of them have been, you know, fighting for for quite some time. Now, have women suffered from this crisis? You're absolutely right in saying it's the sectors that were female dominated that suffered in this crisis most, because just as in the last crisis in 2008, it was the sectors dominated by men that suffered most. But that's not like a gender bias attack. We're going backward. It's the weird circumstances of the world. And um, if anybody feels they're going backwards at home, time to fight back, right? Time to renegotiate what you're willing to do or not. She says these can be difficult conversations. They can challenge the ideas men and women are carrying around about what a good mother or a good man should do. But they need to be had. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You wrote in this Forbes piece I read in July that this crisis actually presents an opportunity for for organizations to change the way they do things and make things more equitable. Yeah, I mean, every crisis, never waste a crisis is typical management speak, right? Um, and And so it depends, of course, on the state of a company, right? If it's fighting for its life and very fearful... I find usually companies then hunker down on the people they trust and the past, right? They go backwards. Of course they do because they can't see their way through. Good companies with strong leadership innovate, recreate, leapfrog forward. And yeah, they're, they're inventing new ways of working, new definitions of flexibility, um, insisting on the gender balance journeys they've already usually been on for a number of years, very cautious not to lose it all in the next two years. Aviva has said this before, but she really believes if companies are going to thrive in the future, they have to be more humane. They have to show what she calls love to their employees. 
well-run companies in COVID, well-run countries as well, have realized that good leadership encapsulates and includes pretty finely attuned emotional support, uh, psychological safety at work, bringing your whole self to all these concepts that have been sort of in the progressive leadership ranks have proven survival tactics uh, in a crisis like this one, right? To keep people engaged, to keep them delivering under really stressful situations sometimes, to take care of your people, to show love, um, not just utilization has been really key. So I think um, a lot of the good, you know, I tend to have the privilege, well, I'm in a default space, right? The companies I work with tend to be good companies and good employers because they're focused on my topic, which is self-selecting. I have been very impressed by their ability to protect jobs to do innovative things, to have senior leaders lose some salary so that they wouldn't have to let people go and people would accept, you know, salary adjustments across the board. There's been all kinds of, you know, here in the UK, there's obviously the furlough scheme, but when the furlough scheme ends, they've been protecting these things. Um, They've gone a long way. That doesn't mean they haven't let anybody go, but they've done it very, very mindfully, carefully with strong communication. Not every company has handled COVID with grace. Even companies that claim to be family-friendly, like the small firm a listener of mine in New Zealand works for. She left me a voice memo a few weeks ago. I can't really blame them for reacting the way that they did when we were told we had to go into lockdown. There was just no procedure for this. At home, I have a four-year-old daughter and a husband, and it was just us during the lockdown period. I struggled a lot working from home and felt terribly guilty about not being a good worker and for struggling to be a good mum. Her husband took full charge of her daughter, but still, her daughter wanted her attention as well. She hated this meshing of her work and her home lives. Her employer didn't seem to grasp how hard it was to get things done in the circumstances. I felt as though our mental health took second place to completing the job, the work, um, was the priority. What would have made a significant difference for me and and other staff, um, aside from reducing the expectations from management, would have been to limit client expectations. The communication to our clients was that it was business as usual, and it just wasn't. Now she's back at the office, she says there's been no outlet to talk about this. She says most of her bosses are men with wives who work part-time. Aviva says that could be part of the problem. Generally, what I find about the business world, despite this talk that we hear of bring your whole self to work and authenticity, and a lot of male-dominated, male-normed corporate company environments are never show your emotions totally eliminate any reference to your personal life. You know, as far personal as you'll go is talking about what football game you watched over the weekend. And that there's this complete compartmentalization between personal and professional, which women have always been incapable of separating, right? And now this is why this experience has, I think, been so seminal, is it's knocked down that wall for men too. 
which is new, right? And so I'm not surprised that some of these companies are desperately trying to put it back up as fast as possible because they don't want it down. But for employees who saw it fall and experienced its fall and know how much better they felt being able to be the same human being at home and at work rather than two different versions of themselves, I think it's probably wiser management to learn how to integrate it. And a lot of men are uncomfortable that we we haven't raised men, you know, that's um, the management culture and the, I'd add the sort of English speaking language culture to be rational, unemotional. That's why women have always made men uncomfortable because we're always embracing our emotions, naming them, talking about them. But now we know we've got research, we've got MIT saying that, you know, gender balanced teams are more effective because they have more EQ, because they have more psychological safety, because women bring up different subjects. It reminds me of a company I interviewed years ago that was kind of an electricity company in Canada that had gender balanced. And the CEO was just so impressed that the number of their safety incidents fell by like 50% in the first year, because he said, women talk about fears and problems and men don't. That's so interesting. And I think in moments of crisis, if you can't talk about what's going on, you're going to fail, you're going to burn out, you're going to melt down, you're going to have cancer in 20 years, you're going to do all kinds of things. It's just not good for humans to lock down all their emotions, especially in this kind of massive collective trauma thing we're going through. She's been speaking to clients and consulting with couples all over the world during COVID. And one thing she notes is how many baby boomer men have wives who don't work. They're at the top. They're affluent. And so lockdown to them means something very different than it does to the young dual career spouses they employ. And there's this complete generational and financial divide, right? Where these old partner guys, they're at home, they have beautiful homes, often they're in their country homes, because they have more than one. And they have an, a, an office and the door is closed. And to them, they're in a very comfortable, not only are they comfortable, they're in a very happy place where they don't have to commute. Um, they have their families, they get to see them every day in a much less stressful way. So for some of those guys, it's actually been an unexpected pleasure, all of this, right? Um, the age of their children makes an enormous difference. Most of them will be older, so their children are gone or older. And it's lovely to have your 20-year-olds come back home. It's, it's, it's been a gift for a number of senior people I've been talking to, is they get their kids home for a few months, which is like cherry on the cake of life for some of them, right? It's, so it's like almost the complete reverse of what their staffs are going through, which they may not fully understand, appreciate, or see, right? She says many younger men want to be present for their kids during all this, but... Men are not going to be sharing, oh my God, I got to take care of the kids, to a senior guy who, who isn't very open to that kind of conversation. This is, this is the problem we have with parental leave still. I hasten to add that what people often don't integrate is the big generational shift right now isn't between women. It's not between you and your mother and me and my mother. It's between, 
young men and these boomer men, that's the big shift is on fatherhood and the roles of men in the world over the last 30 years, right? And so what we're seeing is all the men running large organizations today come from one generation that often weren't dual career or certainly not the ones in the most senior roles. Their wives often let work go. And so they're in lead careers um, and never really had to worry about the kids. And they don't necessarily understand, appreciate, or encourage younger generation of men to do differently. And they, they're very suspicious of young men who want to balance. This is something they only just barely got used to women being the pain in the neck that we are, you know, oh, babies. Da, 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 da. And now they have this specter of, oh, my God, men are going to want this too? Oh, geez, you know, then the game's over, right? Everybody's going to want this, which is exactly the issue. But that attitude on the part of some bosses is contributing to the imbalance of power at home, as men hesitate to ask for much flexibility. Age-old beliefs about gender roles can be incredibly hard to shake. Sort of back to the beginning, for many people, because they are still working from home in some form of lockdown situation, it feels a bit Groundhog Day-like and... I think treading water is actually a good way to put it, as one of my correspondents put it. What are you hearing? You're talking to people all over the world, you say. I mean, are people just treading water in their careers? How are they feeling? What's going to happen to us? We're in for a tough year. We've only really seen so far the health crisis. Now it's the economic crisis, right? That's what's going to follow. And huge numbers of companies are going to have to, we're, we're going into some really, really bad numbers now, how much governments will cough up, how which governments have enough money to cough up more. Um, anybody who thinks that companies aren't going to be massively laying off, you know, don't have their eyes on the road. So the, the, the it's terrifying. No, I think, listen, it's really terrifying. So anybody in a job should stay there, which is what I'm telling my daughter who hates her job and wants to quit. It's not the moment to quit. I don't care how much you hate your job, unless you're ready to, you know, really go off and do something really, really different. Um, I think there's a lot of treading water. Of course there is, because there's always a pendulum swing between who has the power, right? Is it the employer or the employee? Since the pandemic struck, it's the employer. This is not a time of ease, of facility, of power on the employee side. So... If you're in any kind of a stable place, stay there. And if you've lost something, my advice is really to start thinking creatively about how to start something on your own. I hope to see a huge uptick in entrepreneurship would be my only silver lining of what's coming. And even that is, um, it's, it's tricky, right? And in a country like this one, the US, where your health insurance, if you're not you know, most people depend upon their work to pay their health insurance. And when you work for yourself, paying for your health insurance is on you. So that's another difficulty in the US for people going out on their own. I think the issue is not that they're going to be going out on their own. It's there are going to be people now on their own. That's how they're going to end up. And so then it's how do you start over? And anything is better than nothing. I think you have to keep learning and growing and doing. I think there are a lot of opportunities. There's always new spaces opening up in markets. There will be huge needs 
there are a lot of problems, right? Every time there are a lot of problems, there is a business solution to offer for it that people will be ready to pay for. And um, I think people should start thinking. That's definitely where I would recommend that we all start thinking more creatively about how can we in this next decade solve some of the issues. I think what I'm also hearing is a lot of people are having second thoughts about what they've been doing for the last decade, right? What are they doing? How are they spending their life? When you know you can get sick, it helps to remind you that life is short and sweet. And are you doing something you're convinced by and committed to? And if in any case, we're all going to lose our jobs and have to shift, which I think many of us will have to do at all ages, right? This is hitting across the age span. Although what I see um, in the statistics is it's hitting most in the 60s and the 20s, which are two very difficult ages to be recreating, by the way. Why in your 20s? Well, because these poor young kids, right? If they're just graduating, it's very hard to find work. Uh, if they've just been hired as interns and stuff, they're let go. I mean, that's kind of, those are the easy ones to lose, right? They don't have long-term contracts. They're on short-term things. And so, yeah, then I would kind of offer a different way of thinking about work, which I think many people will come to, how to find a bit more meaning in what you do and where might that be and how can you help others rather than just getting a job and earning your income. Aviva Wittenberg-Cox. I'll post some links to Aviva's recent articles under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. And I'll also link you to Daniel Carlson's research on the division of labour at home during COVID. You can find me in all the usual places, by email, on Twitter, or on the Facebook page. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.